Let's get straight to the point. You want to grow your portfolio to deal with the rising cost of inflation to pay off your debt or your mortgage, pretty much anything standing in the way of you and financial freedom, right? Well, with Yahoo Finance, you can get access to the news, data, and tools that you need in order to help you reach that financial freedom. And when it comes to your financial future, you think you've done it all. You've saved, you've researched, you've invested all that you can. And now you need to take those investments to the next level by using what every financial great uses. Yahoo Finance. For more than 25 years, Yahoo Finance has been the brand behind every great investor. They're the number one finance destination, producing a holistic look at the financial news cycle, including breaking news, original perspectives, analyst ratings, independent research, customizable charts, and so much more. For comprehensive financial news and analysis, visit the brand behind every great investor, yahoofinance.com, the number one financial destination. That's yahoofinance.com. Traffic jams, tailgating, pileups. Ugh, the joys of driving. How could it get worse? The federal government wants to have a say in what you drive. That's right. The Biden administration's EPA is pushing mandates that would ban two out of every three vehicles on the road today. Don't let Washington become your backseat driver. Protect the freedom of driving your way. Visit energycitizens.org. Paid for by the American Petroleum Institute. Ship show. Well, as I suspected and as I stated in my last podcast at the end of the first quarter, I speculated that the rally that closed out the quarter was really a head fake and that when the quarter started, we would see a resumption of the downtrend of the evolving bear market, which I believe that we were already in even though technically we're not there yet because we're not down 20%. But again, obviously, you can't be down 20% unless you're down 10%. And so we're in a bear market yet. It's just not officially acknowledged. You know, just like a lot of times, you know, they don't acknowledge the recession until after you have two quarters of negative GDP growth. But clearly, you're in the recession for a long time before it's officially admitted. That doesn't mean you weren't in one before they admitted it. It's just that officially they hadn't proclaimed it a recession. And so they haven't proclaimed this bear market. Now, there's one caveat. If the Federal Reserve comes in and changes the game by taking away the rate hikes or launching QE4, then we may never make it to a bear market. But if the Fed continues uh, on its current path and maintains the current pretense, then we are in a bear market and it's only a question of time before it is officially acknowledged. But as I expected... Uh, Traders came back from uh, the Passover, Easter uh, break and started to sell. I mean, they came in almost out of the bell. No real news uh, to blame the sell-off on. Now, they tried to blame it on Trump and the tariffs. And, you know, while I agree, you know, the tariffs are a problem, there was nothing new over the weekend. Yeah, China came out and announced a couple of billion dollars worth of tariffs on some agricultural products and stuff like that. But this is nothing that wasn't anticipated. This is no big deal. I mean, anybody that didn't think this was coming, I mean, come on, there's no way, they could have done a lot worse than this. And in fact, the market could have just as easily rallied on the fact that this is such a small response and they could have said, oh, this is nothing, right? It could have been a lot worse. And so the markets could have bought if they were in a buying mood. 
But this is a bear market. And so all news is bad news. And so whatever the news is, that's an excuse to sell. But what it does is it lulls investors into a false sense of confidence in that, well, you know, it's not going down for any real reason. It's not because we're in a bear market. It's because of the reaction to the news that the Chinese are going to have tariffs on agricultural products. And, you know, one of the things, if you look at the list of all the items that China is imposing tariffs on, right, it's a bunch of farm products and things like that. I mean, that's really what we export. We export raw materials and agriculture. China exports finished manufactured goods, right? I mean, that's what wealthy industrial nations do. They export manufactured products. What do third world countries export? What do poor pre-industrial countries export? Stuff that they can grow, stuff that they can pull out of the ground. I mean, you look at the stuff that we sell, right? And we have a lot more in common with all the poor countries than we do with all the rich countries. In fact, if you actually look at our exports and imports and China's exports and imports, you didn't know anything else. You just looked at it. You would think that America was some kind of colony of China, right? They're this wealthy imperial nation. They set up this colony here in America and the colony imports all this raw material and agriculture back to the parent company or the the main country uh, and the empire. And then, you know, they send some, you know, manufacturer stuff back to, you know, the people that are living out in their colony. I mean, it is ridiculous to look at the terms of trade and what we make and what we sell and what we have to borrow to import. But but that's a whole other story. And I, I don't really want to belabor that point too much on this podcast. I really want to get back to my point, uh, which was they blame the sell-off on these tariffs. But that's not why the market sold off. The market sold off because people are selling. Stocks are expensive. The bull market is over. It's now a bear market. People want to get out. Right? People are allocating out. Growth is slowing, whether people want to acknowledge it or not. And that means that this earnings myth is not going to be true. You know, everybody is still optimistic that we're going to have all these great earnings. Well, what if we don't? I mean, if they were pessimistic on earnings, then maybe we could have a positive surprise. But the market is set up for nothing but disappointment. Even if we get the good earnings, it's already baked into the cake. The stocks have already more than discounted the best case scenario for earnings. So even if we hit the best case scenario, it's buy the rumor, sell the fact. But there's a lot of room for disappointment. And then it's going to be buy the rumor and sell the hell out of the fact because it's not going to live up to the rumor. Well, meanwhile, taking a look at the damage, and I read on the Internet today that this was the worst first day of the second quarter since the Great Depression. So it's been a long time since we had this much selling And we didn't even close on the lows. I mean, we were way down. The Dow closed down 458 points. At the low, we were down better than 750 points. The NASDAQ down 193. I think we were down better than 250 points on the low. And and so that declined for the NASDAQ at 2.74%. That is a huge drop in one day. But there were some of these former stars that were down 5% or more. Amazon, down over 5% today. Intel, 5.2%. Tesla, which has really been beaten up, down 5.65%. I saw that stock down more than 7% today. And of course, it's been getting killed. This is not the first day it went down. Netflix, down another 5.27%. Right, That's two of the FANG stocks right there. Amazon and Netflix down better than 5% on the day. NVIDIA, 
4.97%. Let's call that 5% down on that one day. You know, Cisco Systems not quite down 3.9, almost 4%. You know, Facebook, again, had another bad day, down just under 3%. But now we're down better than 20%. Facebook's in a bear market. In fact, I think even though the Nasdaq's only down about 10% now from its highs, I think the Dow is down about 11%. And now it's down on the year. Everything is down on the year. I think the Dow's now down about 6% on the year uh, since January 1st. But even though we're down, you know, 10, 11%, right? We're halfway to a bear market officially. We're in a correction. But you got 20% of the tech stocks that are already down more than 20%. So those stocks are already in bear markets. And I would suggest that those stocks are just the leading indicators for the rest of the market. Because again, the market sold off on nothing, on no new news, and these stocks are getting killed. Now, we just narrowly missed a Dow theory sell signal by, I think, under 50 points because it was all based on the close and the transports. And we didn't quite close low enough to trigger the sell signal. Now, that might get triggered tomorrow or who knows, tomorrow is Tuesday. It could be reversal Tuesday. Maybe we'll get a rally. Although if we get a big rally early in the morning on Tuesday, the market gaps up. Good chance that that, you know, they could just sell that off and that'll constitute the reversal. But maybe it'll gap down and we'll get a rally or something because Tuesdays are notorious for being turnaround days, counter trend days. So we'll see. So maybe we won't get the Dow theory signal on Tuesday, but it's coming. I mean, it's, you know, it's only a question of time. We're going to get it. And of course, when we get it, I'm sure that's just going to be another omen that everybody is going to ignore and try to make excuses about why this time it's different and why the Dow theory doesn't really apply. You know, I don't want to get into all the mechanics, you know, the methodology behind Dow theory. If you want to know, just Google it, right? Look it up and, you know, you'll, you know, you can get the entire theory. But it goes back a long time. And it is a relationship between the industrials, the Dow industrials, and the Dow transports. And that's why we need the transports now to close below a certain level to confirm the sell. Now, apparently, until it does that, the last signal, which was a buy, and I forget, you know, we've had a buy. It was a long time ago, right? Because this signal doesn't, you don't get a lot of signals. It doesn't go from buy to sell very often. So it's meant to stay on trends for a long time. And the way the rule is, is it's a buy until it's a sell. So right now, even though we've had this big drop in the stock market, Dow Theory still says the market is a buy. So I guess if you were, you know, wanted to just play Dow Theory, you could probably buy now with a tight stop because, you know, it's still a buy, but, it, you know, it's not too far from a sell, in which case you'd cut your losses and run. But, you know, if the buy holds, if we never go to a sell, then maybe that's a, a good uh, risk trade. And maybe there are some people that are, you know, trying to do that right now. But I can already hear what these guys are going to say when they're going to say, ah, oh, you know, even though we have a Dow sell signal, we should ignore it. I mean, these things are not that accurate. They don't always work. And of course, one of the things they like to do when they want to critique uh, the Dow theory is they want to say, look, you know, that might have worked back in the day when America was an industrial economy and we manufactured a lot of stuff and we shipped a lot of stuff by rail and stuff like that. And so Shipping was more relevant to the economy because it was more relative to industry and production. And today in our information-based service economy, maybe there's not much of a relationship between the transports and the industrials. In fact, there's not much industry in the industrials anymore. I mean, the way it used to be, 
right? I mean, the only original uh, stock in there is General Electric. And of course, that is a big dog. In fact, even General Electric was down today, down 2.7%. And as I said, there were these rumors uh, uh, last few weeks about Warren Buffett buying, which kind of lifted that stock a little bit. But I think now it's back in its downtrend. Uh, But all the other original Dow stocks are gone, right? They don't, you know, they're not part of the Dow. And, And so that you could argue that whatever the methodology or the reasoning that was behind Dow theory, they're going to say, well, you know, it doesn't apply anymore, so don't worry about it. But having a Dow theory sell signal on top of all the other things, right, all the other signs. Remember I've been talking about all these flashing lights, these warning bells about an imminent bear market or an imminent recession or how all these things are are going wrong uh, at the same time. But if you don't realize that there's a problem, then you're not even looking out for the warnings, right? You're not worried. Like I said before about, you know, when the, 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 the subprime market threw apart, fell apart, nobody cared, right? Oh, no big deal. Nothing to worry about. It's contained, right? Because they didn't understand the problem in the housing market. So when they saw that flashing light of warning, they didn't even know there was anything to worry about. So they didn't see it as a warning. They just, oh, you know, they just dismissed it. And there were a lot of other things back in 07 and 08 that everybody dismissed because they had no idea there was a problem. And that's what's going on now. Nobody thinks there's a problem. Everybody is optimistic. Everybody is bullish. So when you see these classic signs that something is going wrong, uh, you just ignore it. You know, even my son pointed out over the weekend, he was looking at the, the debt, the national debt clock, right? And he had noticed that we had gone, you know, to 21.1 trillion. So we had already added another 100 billion in two weeks. You know, we just went through 21 trillion and it took two weeks to tack on another 100 billion, 50 billion a week. I mean, this is massive debt that is being run up uh, in the last two weeks. What's going on in the last two weeks that the government should be borrowing so much money? I mean, I think this is just more of a sign that something is wrong. You know, we never even had a 50 billion dollar annual budget deficit until the Second World War. We had three years during the Second World War where we had annual deficits of 50 billion. And we were fighting the Second World War. Now we're getting 50 billion a week in peacetime. Now, yeah, I know there's been some inflation, but 50 billion a week? And we're not even fighting a war? I mean, in, I mean, in theory, we're not fighting a war, right? I mean, we haven't declared war against anybody. Um, you know, the, the next time after the Great Depression that we ran a $50 billion deficit was 1975. And then, of course, it, it went off from there. You know, then we got Reagan came in 1980 and then they, they were way up. But now we're doing these things in, in a week, $50 billion in a week. And, you know, we, I said we went through uh, $21 trillion this year. We're going we're gonna to hit $21, $22 trillion before the end of the year. But obviously the pace is, is a lot higher. Now, I know there's going to be some, you know, quarters or months where the government gets a surplus, right? When, because they get, they get the tax revenues that come in. Uh, but we'll see. But I think these, you know, exploding deficits just in the last several weeks, again, more evidence that there's something going on and, and nobody wants to admit that. And, you know, another anecdotal evidence that people aren't worried is look at what's happening again with gold stocks today. Now, the price of gold was up about 15 bucks. Uh, on the close. I think the highs, we were probably up closer to 20. I don't know if we were ever up 20 bucks. I remember seeing up 18 or 19, but we're back above 1340, right? Last I looked, I'm at 1341 about on the price of gold. So, you know, still below 1350, but again, 1350 is not like the key number because we did close above it once 
barely, and you know, then we sold right off. We need to put some distance between the price of gold and 1350 on the upside. How much distance? I really don't know. I mean, we'll know when we get there because all of a sudden the price is going to explode. But if you look at gold stocks, they were only up 1% today. I mean, that is nothing. 1%. Now, true, the price of gold hasn't broken out, but 1%? I mean, gold stocks up 1%. The price of gold itself was up 1%. If gold was down 1% today, gold stocks would have been down 3 or 4%. Right? They, oh, my God, gold's going to collapse. They would have sold the hell out of them. Instead, gold is up 1%. And there's no real leverage in the gold stocks when the, the GDXJ was up 1.03% and the GDX was up 1.1%. I mean, pretty much no delta above uh, the price of gold because nobody thinks gold's going to break out. And why does nobody think gold's going to break out? Because nobody's worried about anything. Everything is great. You know, you look at the coverage today and the Dow again was down as much as 750 points. I mean, they barely mentioned gold at all. I mean, it was up, so they mentioned it. But, you know, they didn't say somebody should buy it. They didn't really talk about buying gold stocks. All they talked about is why you should keep buying the stock market. You know, why this is a, an opportunity to buy the dip, why nothing has changed, why the fundamentals are still great, why we're probably not going to have a bear market. Oh, the odds are very slim that this is actually going to be a bear market, right? So people should hold on. So nobody is worried, and that's why people are not buying these coal stocks. I mean, you would think if, if you had a big portfolio and it looked like, hey, maybe this is a bear market, you know, it's very expensive, there's a lot of problems, maybe I should hedge. You know, these gold stocks are dirt cheap. Let me put, you know, a half a percent of my portfolio, one percent of my portfolio. Let me buy some gold stocks just in case. I mean, they probably won't even go up. But let me buy it just in case. I mean, just in case something really bad happens, you know, let me have something that might go up, right? Because I got a whole portfolio full of stocks, you know, that could crash. I mean, even the bond market might not be safe, right? Because the bonds are in a bubble too. So, yeah, let me put a little bit in gold. Nobody is thinking like that. Nobody is putting anything into gold or gold stocks because nobody thinks there's a problem. In fact, I read this, uh, this article. It was up on Zero Hedge. And it referenced, I guess, this paper that, an analyst at, at Citi put out, uh, Citigroup, and he basically said that he thought that U.S. Treasuries were the, the cheapest asset on the planet, right? That they were a, an incredible bargain. And so, wait a minute, 30-year Treasuries, I mean, are, you know, they're barely over 3%. The 10-year, and by the way, the yield on the 10-year uh, slipped to a two-month low today. I mean, it wasn't down very much, but down a little bit. We're at 2732 but to say that that's the cheapest asset on the planet, I mean, how could you look at treasuries at these ridiculously low rates and come to the conclusion that they're cheap? Well, this is what the analyst said. This, was, this is his thinking. He wrote that a lot of people think that interest rates are headed much higher and bond prices lower. He said that's not going to happen, or at least if it happens, it's not sustainable, because he said if interest rates rise, to the degree that a lot of the bond bears believe, well, then the economy is going to tank. We're going to be in a recession. There's no way we can handle those interest rates. And so a recession would mean the Fed would cut interest rates and do more quantitative easing. And that would be very bullish for bonds. So in other words, he's saying if the price of bonds goes down and interest rates go up, then the Fed is going to cut rates and start buying bonds again. And that means rates are going to go back down and bond prices are going to go back up. So you got a Fed put. You can't lose. On the other hand, if bond prices keep rising and yields keep falling, 
if you buy bonds now, you're going to win. So either you win right away because yields fall and bond prices rise, or you win in the long run because yields keep going up, which forces the economy into recession, which means the Fed is going to bail you out. So the point is you can't lose on bonds. No matter what, you can't lose because even if you're wrong, you're going to be right because the Fed is going to bail you out. And to you know, in a sense, he's 100% accurate. That is exactly what's going to happen. But here is the problem uh, in what is missing from his analysis, which is what's missing from everybody's analysis because nobody believes uh, that it's even possible, which is that the economy weakens, but inflation accelerates. And the Fed can't come to the rescue of the economy by cutting rates because it needs to stand pat or even tighten because of accelerating inflation. Now, people believe that this is an impossible situation, right? Inflation has not been a problem for so long, as far as everybody believes, that it's never going to be a problem. And again, that reminds me of the mentality during the housing bubble where real estate prices have never gone down. And so there's no point even envisioning a scenario where they go down because it's never happened and it's impossible. When to me, I mean, it looked not only possible, but almost like there was no way it couldn't happen, especially when you took into consideration what had happened to real estate prices recently, how much they went up and how quickly they went up and how people had you know, bought houses with teaser rates and adjustable rate mortgages. And so it seemed like there's no way that prices can't come down. Well, to me, the same conclusion can be made about inflation. There's no way inflation can't go up. Given all the money the Fed has already printed, right? So all the inflation that's in the pipeline, and given what we're already observing in the commodity markets, I mean, look at oil back at $64, $65 a barrel, $66 a barrel, other commodities. Look at the uh, ISM that came out today, weaker than expected, by the way, but uh, uh, the prices paid surge. It's the highest in seven years. And if you look at a chart, it looks like that thing is about to break out. It's already broke out of the downtrend. There's a little bit of resistance from 2010. Uh, but once we take that out, I think we're going for the 2008 highs right before the financial crisis. But all of the evidence, both anecdotally and then just, you know, uh, philosophically, if you understand inflation and where it comes from, right, inflation is picking up. Inflation is going to get worse. So everybody just believes that the Fed can always, uh, you know, uh, come to the rescue, that if the economy weakens, that they can always print more money to prop it back up. They can't do that if inflation is accelerating. I mean, not unless they want to completely destroy the dollar. And of course, if they completely destroy the dollar, then they're going to destroy the bond market because the bond market is the dollar. That's all it is. It's just a dollar that you're going to get in the future. And in the meantime, you're going to get paid some interest on it. But if you have no confidence in the future value of the dollar, then what good is a 2% coupon? It doesn't do you any good at all. The reason the, the QE was able to work the last time is because confidence in the dollar was maintained. People trusted the Fed. They believed that this was a temporary emergency measure that would be withdrawn and that the U.S. economy was sound, the dollar was sound, everything was fine. Now, they were idiots for believing that, but so far, you know, it didn't, it, you know, it hasn't cost them much because the dollar is higher uh, than it was certainly when they launched QE3, not necessarily, not when they launched QE1, but it was higher than when they launched QE3. But we haven't had a dollar crisis yet. But believe me, if we get a recession in the U.S. economy from here and inflation continues to accelerate, right, and that will be the case if the dollar continues to weaken, which I believe it will, you know, the dollar had that disaster of a January, worst in 30 years. 
and it really hasn't recovered. I mean, it hasn't gone down more, but it hasn't gone up more. So it's just consolidating those losses. We're right around 90. I mean, sometimes we're a little below it. Sometimes we're slightly above it. Uh, but we're consolidating these losses. To me, that's a continuation pattern. And the next major move in the dollar will be another leg down. Now, most people think the dollar is going to rise. I keep reading all these articles about why everybody expects it to go up. Hey, the Fed is raising rates, right? They're going to keep raising rates, so the dollar's going to go up. Yeah, they've raised rates five, six times. The dollar's gone down every time. So, I mean, why should it behave differently in the future to rate hikes than it's done in the past? Especially since every future rate hike just brings us closer to the first rate cut. And the first rate cut ain't going to be the last, right? They're going to go all the way back down to zero. They may not even stop at zero. I don't know. They may go negative. But then, of course, the minute we start cutting rates, I mean, we're going to do QE4. And when we do all that, the dollar is going to implode because everybody is going to know that the experiment failed. Everybody's going to know there is no way out of this box. There is no normalization of rates that is ever going to uh, happen. The balance sheet is never going to shrink. The balance sheet is going to grow permanently, which means this is uh, banana republic debt monetization. They can no longer pretend that they're not doing the same things as South American banana republics, right? It's pure. We just print money uh, to finance government spending, which is going to explode. We're going to have two, then $3 trillion annual deficits. Nobody is going to finance them. And so th this guy in city is wrong if he thinks, hey, just buy bonds. You can't lose because even if the economy tanks, the Fed's going to come to your rescue. When the Fed rescues you, they will actually be destroying you, right? They're not throwing you a lifeline. They're throwing you an anchor because even if they buy up the bonds, they will destroy the value of the dollar in the process. And so your investment is going to lose value. What difference does it make if you have a pile of dollars if you can't buy anything with them? And again, that is part of the overall complacency that people still have. Nobody can envision a stagflationary scenario Nobody feels that they have to buy gold as a hedge. And, you know, meanwhile, the market just keeps falling this slope of hope. And, you know, again, you know, we're getting closer and closer to a bear market and no one is panicked. And, of course, I already can see what's going to happen when we are in an official bear market. Like once we're down 20 percent, right, what are all the guys going to say who are saying, don't sell, it's not a bear market, it's just a correction, right? You know, hold on. What are they going to say when the market's down 20%, 25%? They're going to say, well, the bear market's over. What's the point of selling now? We're 20% from the highs, right? You might as well buy, right? So in other words, you never sell. Don't sell on the anticipation of a bear market because it's probably not going to happen. And by the time there is a bear market, well, it's too late to sell because, you know, it's, you, it's already bear market. The stocks are already way down. Why sell now, right? That's what they're going to say. And then, of course, the bear market's going to keep getting worse with the one, you know, caveat Right. Which is the Fed can come and change the game. The Fed could start printing a bunch of money and nominally push up stock prices. Of course, in real terms, priced in gold, the minute the Fed has to rescue the stock market, the price of gold will take off. If it hasn't already taken off, it's just going to take off some more. And the Dow, the gold price, of the Dow is going to fall even faster when the Fed has to save the market. Then it's, it's falling now when the Fed is doing nothing to try to save the market, and the market is just floundering on its own. Now, another market that is just floundering on its own are the cryptocurrency market, Bitcoin. I talked about that a little bit 
on last week's podcast, uh, I talked about the carnage in the crypto stocks and you know companies that are associated with uh, with crypto plays. You know, by the way, uh, Overstock had another horrible day, down about ten percent on the day. I mean, this stock topped out just under ninety bucks uh, on that big run up in in Bitcoin at the end of last year, and it's now down at thirty two eighty five. I mean, and this is typical. You can look at a lot of these other companies that changed their name and threw the word blockchain in there, and they're all getting clobbered, right? I mean, so and I talked about how they, I thought, were probably leading indicators for the cryptos themselves. And over the weekend, we did get some new selling. Bitcoin itself, I don't think, made a new low. I think the lowest I saw it, although, again, there's so many exchanges you don't know. I was looking at Bitstamp, and I saw it get down to 6400 and something, right? It was the low. And I believe that the low in February was just under 6000 So we didn't quite make a new low yet. But a lot of the other cryptocurrencies, the altcoins, took out by a long shot their February lows. So Bitcoin had been gaining uh, its overall market share, right, as a percentage of, of all the cryptos. It had been gaining back some of the market share that it had lost. I mean, right now, I think it's about 45 and a half. And, you know, it was well below 40, you know, at, at its low point. Of course, you know, at one point it was almost 100 percent, right? It was the first coin and then all these other ones started. Uh, but the, the other coins have, have been falling even more uh, than, than, than Bitcoin. They made new lows. Now, they rallied back a bit. So as I'm recording this, Bitcoin is back slightly above 7,000. But to me, Every time it gets a little bit above 7,000, there's still a lot of selling. Uh, and, you know, most of these uh, cryptos, I mean, they're in bear markets, right? You've got currencies that are down 60, 70, 75, 80 percent from their peaks. You know, these are bear markets, right? I mean, you don't fall that much and claim that you're still in the bull market. And the thing is, these tokens still have a long way to fall. I mean, they, I mean, even though they're way, way down from where they were a few months ago, they're still way, way up from where they were a year ago. Two years ago, I mean, even more. So, I mean, you're, you're still in the stratosphere as far as I'm concerned. If this is a bubble, I mean, the air has only begun to leak out. We've got a lot more coming. But a point that I think is interesting, and you can go, you know, test this on your own. Just start Googling Bitcoin and, and stuff like that. And you will read far more articles about nothing to worry about, keep on holding, buy the dip, opportunity. You know, there's not that many people that are worried. I know there's a lot of people that, that came in recently that, that have lost a lot of money, right? And there's a lot of people that came in a while ago that have given up a good chunk of their paper gains. But there's not a lot of concern that this is it. Most people are like, oh, no worry. This is par for the course. We're just, this is typical behavior and we're going to have a huge rally. And in fact, if you look at this decline, uh, it is nowhere near as bad as the decline that bottomed in February. I remember back then, Bitcoin was losing like $1,000 a thousand a day. I mean, day after day, it was getting killed. I mean, now the decline to me seems a lot more orderly, a lot, you know, it's a lot slower. There's no real panic selling. It's just a lack of buyers, right? There's just sellers that are coming in and there's no real buyers and just the market is going down uh, with no real panic. And to me, if you're looking for some kind of short-term bottom, if you're a trader, this is not what you want to see before you step in and buy. You want to see a flush out. You want to see some kind of capitulation. And we haven't had it yet. So to me, even if you think there's a bounce coming, I, I think the bounce is going to come from a lower level. I would not be excited about buying 
Bitcoin at 7,000 or just below 7,000, thinking that, you know, oh, I'm going to trade the next rally uh, to, to 10,000. This could be it. I mean, the low sevens could be the resistance. This could be, you know, I don't know where the new support is because there really is none. We keep drifting lower and lower. Now, it's important to see, I guess, what happens just below 6,000. I mean, we need to retest that, that number. We didn't quite get down there. And, of course, if we take it out and close below it, I mean, with, you know, somewhere in the 5,000s, then maybe the next leg takes you to, you know, to 3,000 or 2,000. Then maybe you get a bounce. I don't know. But to me, it's the same complacency that we have in the cryptocurrencies that we have in the stocks, in the momentum stocks, in the FANG stocks, right? These stocks went up for a long time. And if you bought into the stocks years ago, you have huge profits and you're very uh, complacent about that. You're, you think you're a genius because you bought these stocks, right? And you made so much money. And, and so far, you're just convinced that everything is fine and that, you know, it's going to keep on going up. That's the mentality in cryptos. It's the same thing. They're bubbles, right? And it's and, and it's the psychology is the same, the mentality, the players. And yeah, even some of the original guys that might have bought these cryptos, you know, uh, you know, they're libertarian, you know, anarcho-capitalist kind of guys that got it on the ground floor. That's not who owns them now. And to the extent that these guys still own them, they have completely rationalized everything that has happened in order to justify continuing to own them. Because believe me, if you were true to your principles when you first bought them, you would already be out. And so if you're not out, you got to take a long look in the mirror and you got to realize that your greed is getting the best of you. You know, I've tried with an open mind. You know, Again, there's all these guys uh, from uh, cryptos now in Puerto Rico. And one of the guys I've kind of become friendly with, who's one of the lieutenants of this guy, Brock Pierce. And I, I, I've talked to Brock, not that much, but you know, I listened uh, to... Uh, a presentation he made because he was at this, uh, you know, this uh, conference. I had a number of crypto conferences in San Juan. You know, no, nobody invited me. You know, like I said, I've been invited and turned down invitations to talk in, in Dubai and in and, and Hong Kong because I didn't feel like making those long trips. Uh, but here I'm in Puerto Rico. I could have drove uh, to the hotel in San Juan. I'm 40 minutes away. Uh, and so, but, you know, they didn't invite me. And so I guess they didn't want any, anybody who had a negative opinion uh, to talk there. But anyway, there's a lot of videos. So I watched, uh, you know, uh, Brock's speech um, about it. And, you know, to see, okay, let me see if he can give me any insight into why cryptos are going to work. And I, I listened to the whole thing and it was just complete nonsense. I mean, I challenge anybody to listen to that speech and tell me what the hell this guy said and tell me how anything he's saying justifies uh, the use case for cryptocurrencies or tries to tell you why any cryptocurrency has any intrinsic value whatsoever. I mean, I've talked to so many people that are completely into this and none of them can coherently tell me, make a case to me why this is going to work. What gives these currencies their value? Nobody can do that. And, I, you know, I am open minded to this stuff. It's not like I'm just so closed minded and I'm just this crazy gold bug. And if it's not gold, then I'm not going to accept it. Look, believe me, if somebody was able to convince me, and people tried, you know, two, three, four years ago, damn, of course I would have bought it. Look, I could have made a lot of money, right? Uh, but, you know, I didn't know because nobody could, and, and, and still nobody can. And the more I listen to people talk about it, the more I'm convinced it's complete nonsense, right? And, and so now the whole thing, the air is coming out of these bubbles, and nobody knows, right? And, and so we're going to continue to fall a slope of hope 
uh, in the stock market and in the cryptocurrency market. Gold's going to break out. Hasn't happened yet. No question in my mind it's going to. Gold stocks are going to go up, break out you know, with a vengeance when the price of gold moves up. So I think you want, you want to get in. Right? You don't want to press your luck and say, well, you know, maybe you know, I've got more time. We don't know uh, how much time you have. I would just assume that it's going to happen tomorrow and just make sure your position. The next leg down is coming for the dollar. And I do think at some point when we do get a bounce in the U.S. stock market, we're going to get a much bigger bounce in the global markets uh, because the dollar is going to tank, especially if the bounce is in response to some movement from the Fed. The Fed does something to throw a bone to this market by in some way suggesting that the rate hikes aren't coming, that the market, the economy isn't as strong as they thought, that they're now worried about something, right? That's very, that's very bullish or bearish for the dollar. And particularly if they make some kind of statements on inflation to indicate to the market that they're not worried about inflation being 25 or 3%, that they're willing to tolerate that in exchange to give the economy more breathing room or because there's more uncertainty. If that's what ends up sparking a rally in the U.S. stock market, it's going to end up sparking an even bigger rally in the foreign markets. It's going to spark another leg down in the dollar and potentially a complete breakout in the price of gold and gold stocks if they haven't already broken out by the time they do that, in which case it just puts the breakout into a whole new gear. (music) 